Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Daily Objective, the show where we get into topics wide ranging, often trending in the news, and sometimes topics that get me thinking, well, why in the world am I being invited to give my opinion on this topic? But I always step up to the occasion and rise to it. And today will be no exception if the alarm outside stops messing with my thought process. Back to you guys. I'm here with a guy who, if ever I could ask for somebody to help me clarify things, it would have to be a man of Greek descent because the Greeks gave us philosophy and they can take it away. Please welcome Nikos Sotarikapoulos. Hi. So do you remember the old legend with the mythical hero Theseus who sailed to Crete to slaughter the, the, the beast that was called Minotaur? So Theseus said, if when I return, I have white sails, it means I won. If I have black sails, it means I lost. Equally, when you see me wearing a blue t-shirt, means it's a soul that can get us canceled. But that's why we are here to deal with the difficult souls, with the difficult topics. So today we're talking gender roles. And we're asking basically two questions. We're asking, is gender role something which is of interest, let's say, to philosophy or of interest to politics, because it definitely has been politicized with mostly the second wave feminist and after that almost everyone saying, well, gender is a social construct, therefore gender roles is a social construct, therefore we need to campaign to change traditional gender roles. And the second question, which for me is the most important one, is this notion that the personal is political. And here's what's been happening with the culture wars. We see that the emphasis in terms of what people are passionate about and where the political discussion is happening is about these issues around people's life, is about the, their sexual identity or about stuff that are not strictly political. So we want to ask the question, is the notion that the personal is political good and liberating in terms that it brings into the surface modes of oppression or parochial values and that makes our life better or does it make our life worse? And what gave us the idea about this topic, actually to the producer of the show, which is neither myself nor Aga, it was an article today in, in a British newspaper that says during COVID, the, during the lockdown, there were more and more men who did chores at home, who did like the housework and therefore this is very, very good that this is very, very liberating. And some months ago, there was this video that became viral that these, produce, these presenters of a TV show in Australia were mocking a woman who was posting on Facebook how happy she is to be a traditional wife, that she wakes up at 4.30 to make breakfast to her husband, and she's a stay-at-home mom. And there were three people mocking her women and men on the studio saying, oh, well, are we back to the 50s or something like that? So we found ourselves in the interesting situation where supposedly we, you can do whatever you want with your life, but if you make a particular decision about how you deal in your personal life, it's bad. Whereas if you make the other decision, it's thumbs up. So is there something politicized here that should concern us? And is, is there some form of like, creeping collectivism under the surface? Or is it just, yeah, well, you know, we give the information out there and then people do whatever they want? Good question. I'll give you an answer. I think uh, like all, like virtually all issues uh, that are being sort of hijacked by the activist 
uh, left, we'll call them, and, and sometimes by the right as well, often by the right, but everyone does this, basically. There's an issue, there's an actual problem, and it's often packaged with a solution that sort of doesn't really cover it. So for instance, there was recently, uh, you know, and maybe they're still ongoing, uh, Black Lives Matter protests, some would call riots. Well, maybe there's both happening at different places and times. With the hashtag ACAB, all cops are bastards, trending, you know, all over the place. People holding signs say all cops are bastards. Now, there is a serious problem that is police brutality. It, it doesn't exist in a vacuum. I think we can tie it to the fact that we live in a society that is not perfectly freed, where we have um, cronyism, where we have the government's job so unclear, and that ties into a lobby system, that ties into certain communities of people having uh, laws enforced differently than other communities. I mean, and that's just, so there's just one example of where a legitimate issue, which is racism at, at times institutionalized by the government and at other times sort of a happening organically by personal bias among people, issues of racism are being blended, being packaged with the need for socialism, according to people, by the by the um, by a philosophy that says race itself is a social construct, which is a very muddy way to put it. I think um, it's overemphasized in the culture, but there is such a thing as bio biological differences. I mean, even among family members, you have differences in biology. So my point here being people take real problems and they package them with sometimes fake problems. And certainly the solution to the legitimate problem is oftentimes packaged with nonsense. So back to the question you actually asked me, there is uh, such a phenomenon, there's such a thing that is women being pressured to stay home and raise a family when that is not their calling, when that is not how they wish to spend their life. You know, we're big fans of Ayn Rand. And she, of course, was a career woman who chose not to have children. And her the first heroine she wrote, at least in a novel was Kira, in We the Living, who was an aspiring engineer who was obviously being pressured to do other things. I don't remember, it's a little bit blurry if she was being pressured to have a family or maybe more to be a communist and, and go out and do that whole thing. But nonetheless, a woman engineer? Whoever heard of such a thing, right? And in America, obviously, we've also we've had the, you mentioned the 1950s stereotype, women being uh, pressured to stay home and have kids. And of course, not every woman wants that, but some women do want that. And it is a serious commitment. I mean, listen, I have a very flexible schedule and I don't even know where people find the time to iron clothes and to clean up and stuff. I mean, this, the, the, there's only so many hours in the day. And imagine if, if you had little kids that need to be picked up, you know, I mean, uh, that need to be dropped off, that need to be fed, that need to be cooked for. I mean, a lot of men are kind of glad to get out of the house in the morning, go to work, you know, do their own thing and then come home later to uh, to a hot dinner. I mean, I don't want to spark a debate on like which is better, which is preferable. Point is, consenting adults can choose the life that they want. And the pressure that has been placed on women through history to uh, to be a homemaker is obviously not consistent with the individual, the individuality of those women with the first-handed uh, values that they might choose and uh, no pressure should be placed. However, it sounds like maybe the pendulum has swung to a point where women are mocked and they're disrespected for choosing to be 
mothers and housewives, which should not be mocked. It is a seriously respectable and perfectible. It is, it is an ongoing process of getting better and improvement. So uh, people who choose to do that should be respected and commended and thanked even because, you know, we all need uh, we all need a clean house and and a, and and a mother, right? That's but here's the, the and you know usually we come to this show having at least in the back of our head the answers. On this issue, I haven't got an answer. And here's the issue. So how do we get from the kind of mad men TV show role of the women, which you see, then it's something that is definitely not good and immoral and bad. But how do we get to a place like today where most women at least have the choice to do this without having the, what I will call the quasi-totalitarian of the personalist political narrative? And I will explain what I mean. So in the 1960s, 1970s, the second wave feminists said the personalist political. And they meant that, for example, you cannot be you know, out in the streets protesting about social issues. And then when you go back home, you're not consistent, right? And actually, this is in a way it makes sense. What do we say all the time? That objectivism is not like the Ten Commandments. Objectivism is something that needs to be lived. You live like a flourishing life, a life that is good for you, right? So if you, Raga, for example, or me, if if we told people, well, we are telling you these things from 6 till 620, but after that, I'm gonna do all kind of self-destructive things, people will say, mm, you're still right on the things you say but I'm not really, uh, something is weird here. But here's the situation. When you take this logic that the personal is political to its extreme, no, actually not to its extreme, to its logical conclusion, it leads to a situation where everything is political. And Hannah Arendt, one of the most interesting philosophers of the 20th century, she said that totalitarianism is basically the society where there is no more a distinction between what's public and what is private. And we see this more and more in the last decades. We see the state creeping in what should be personal affairs. And I'm not talking about things such as obviously uh, violence or things like that. So let me be clear here. For example, in, in, in Iran, when women are, or in other societies where women are you know, abused at home, this is a political issue because it has to do with individual rights. But when you see more and more the states intervening in general, for example, how do you feed your children? Or I wouldn't be surprised in some years, they say, oh, you don't give enlightened views to your child, therefore we're gonna intervene. So we see more and more this boundary between the private and the public being a kind of on a retreat. And this is very worrying. This is the, that's why I call it soft totalitarianism. And also it comes hand in hand with groupthink. So it's impossible, impossible that in CNN or BBC or Sky News or elsewhere, you're going to see someone giving you kind of a, a, an idea that says, look, I believe in traditional roles. I think that the man should lead or whatever, right? It's, so it's one view that is promoted. So the question is, how do, we, how do we make sure that we bring out change so we're not in the madman kind of misogyny territory, but at the same time, we don't reach the level where we're today when we have this almost what I'd call totalitarians without political power. And by totalitarianism, I mean only one acceptable opinion that applies to your public life and also 
to your private life. So is it, did the pendulum have to swing that much or could we have stopped the pendulum somewhere where it's about individual choice? I mean, I, I was a little bit reckless using the pendulum uh, analogy, which I try to avoid. I try to avoid the, ho the horseshoe. I try to avoid these things because these are really superficial differences. So the difference between subjectivism and sort of religious intrinsicism, there are sort of two sides of the same wrong coin, but individualism, ob objectivity, now that's what we need. So individualism is how we get there. By encouraging people to think firsthand, what do I want to do with my life? Some women, you know, from the time they're young, from the time they're girls, they want to have their children of their own. That's what they want to do. They want to have a marriage. They want to dedicate that. They want that to be their central purpose. Great. Other, other people of both, of both sexes have a certain career in mind that they want to do. Fantastic. Um, as far as the creeping state, um, first of all, the sort of regulation and taxation. So like the violation of private property, even at the smallest level, it grows and it, and it makes your, your personal business now my business, because I'm going to pay your medical bills if you're a smoker and things like that. So it makes us all, uh, look, you know, mind one another's business in a way. So we, we, we see that happen. I remember when smoking was banned in restaurants, uh, you know, 10 years ago or so. Um, people said, Hey, look, I mean, we're all, pay you know, we all have to pay into each other's medical costs if, if, if you get cancer or if you get sick or anything like that. So, um, this is why we need laissez-faire capitalism. This is why we need everyone's property to be their own. And then it's their problem to worry about. Um, and they can avoid, uh, behaviors that might be detrimental to them. Um, now, but what, what I find most interesting is in the personal realm, in the, um, in the realm of just. Uh, just philosophy where people believe everything is political. So rather than looking at, oh, look how, look how the state is creeping into our lives. I like to look at how people are making everything political sort of from the ground up where one example that comes to mind is uh, some feminists in the sixties. Uh, I think that you might call them second wave feminists. So yeah. th these were, these were the good guys, right? We, we don't like third wave feminism. We're, 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 fe we're second wave. Okay. So this is what second wave feminists said. I'm being sarcastic, by the way. I mean, they were crazy as well, from what I've seen. A lot of them. I'm trying. See, I'm trying to qualify everything I say. Uh, they, they, uh, some of the fe prominent feminists writing in the '60s were saying, you know, we are at war. We are at war with men who are oppressing us, and pornography is the propaganda that the enemy is distributing. You know, in the way that the communists had their propaganda and the Nazis had their propaganda that depicted the Jews and others a certain way. And, of, you know, all I mean, America had propaganda that made, you know, the Japanese look a certain way, whether or not the country is a good country or not. Propaganda has been used in times of war. And women feminists were saying that pornography is propaganda that the male enemy, that the patriarchal state is issuing to depict women a certain way. So they were taking sort of a voluntary action people were taking, sort of a, a product that people were producing and trading amongst each other and saying, this is the sort of invisible enemy at, at work here. This is the patriarchy uh, distributing propaganda. So you can see how um, people's philosophical beliefs, be, like it, it sort of, uh, it sort of uh, works its way up into a view of politics. And um, 
So it's not so much just the state sort of creeping into our lives. It really does begin with the way people see the world first. Um, yeah, but when, when you have such a politicization of the private sphere, it's only a matter of time, I think, till the state creeps yeah. in. And, and here's a very interesting phenomenon. By the way, for the record, my main issue with the second wave feminism is that it went, unfortunately, hand in hand with some very weird Marxist ideas, such as the idea that we should pay people for doing house, women for doing housework, which basically brings the state even more. And, and notice, notice what this does, what this does for women. By the way, here, let's make something clear. We are the real, I don't want to say feminists, but we are the real kind of pro all individuals of empowerment, yeah. right? And show me someone who is more of a feminist hero than Dagny Taggart. And we, you know, we, 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 our life is basically, we, 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 we like this, we, we, we love these symbols. But here's, here's the issue here. And the issue here is the following, the following one. So we see two things happening. Actually, not only, what does it mean for women if you tell them that the state needs to intervene, for example, so that you know your man also does uh, housework or, or whatever? Or what does it mean for women if, if the state intervenes into this kind of interpersonal relations? If, again, for issues that are not violence, obviously for issues that are violence, that's a violation of individual rights. It tells them that you still have no agency. It tells them that you still need someone to protect you. And this is exactly why Ayn Rand was opposed to the second wave feminist, because it said, this is a, women, a movement which is not pro-individual women. But closing the parenthesis about the second wave feminist, we can discuss at some other point. Notice something very interesting. When we have the personalist political, we also have, at the same time, the new thing, which is that the political is a personal. So for example, if you, Raka, you disagree with me, they're like, oh, you deny my Greekhood or you deny my experience. So now I am a vessel of my identity when the political becomes the personal. That's why you see political debates and, and you hear all the time people saying, as a woman, I believe this. As a white cis male, I believe this. As a trans black, uh, I, believe, I believe this. Now, again, what's the problem with that? This takes away really your agency. Because your identity basically is, is not your agency. Agency means I see the world with the only possible mean, which is the individual mind. And this is how I perceive it. I understand it. I build my own values. Very important, right? And equally laughable, equally laughable, uh, equally mistaken with this propaganda that says if you stay at home, you need to be mocked. We see this new thing now on the other side that says, oh, now the, 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 let's go back to the idea that we have the, the house with the 2.5 children and the woman stays at home and the man goes out. Now, why do I say this is equally laughable? Because, again, this, first of all, I don't see this returning in any time soon, but also it creates this kind of category that you have to fit in, right? So there is, there's almost no space for an iron run there. In the same way that there's no space in this model that says, oh, you know, independent, powerful woman, for a woman who genuinely thinks that she's better off 
in a traditional gender kind of role. And the thing that we didn't have time to discuss is the question, are we all better, were we better off with the traditional gender roles or now? And that's almost impossible to dissect because you can find the research, the same research that says women are, let's say, not as happy as they used to be. And the feminists are going to present it one way and the conservatives another way. So I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to go there. But I mean, my takeaway from all this, and then I'll leave Raga to do the outro. My takeaway from all this is people should do whatever they want. Obviously, they should form their own values and judgment, but be very, very careful with this politicization of personal life. It's not going to end well. It has never ended well in the past. That's it for me. Yeah, um, I mean, there's a, a couple things I want to address really quick. First of all, um, the, the the social constructivists, you know, I think is how you would categorize the people who think that, you know, a black man and a blonde woman, they just cannot speak the same language because they're they have such their society has conditioned them so differently. There's, a again, a kernel of truth in there, but it's being overemphasized and it's it's being conflated with sort of this determinism or sort of this impossibility of looking at the same reality. Ultimately, this is why philosophy matters. Philosophy deals with fundamentals. Objectivism points out how reality can be understood objectively and your consciousness is objectively real. It's a piece of the puzzle, the way it interacts with, with existence. So it's, so we can sort of like sort through these, these, these confusing questions and figure out what, what it all means. Um, you know, a, a more relatable version of the second wave feminist be, you know, calling porn propaganda, I guess would be like, like look at um, JK Rowling being nailed to a cross. So she's a feminist. She's, you know, she might even, might even call her a third wave feminist. I don't know, but she's, she, she has an opinion that is not acceptable, but, but people take it as violence. They see it as an attack on their ability to live. So this is again, why we need philosophy to sort through these, these issues and really understand. And, and notice that even her womanhood is put into question, like, oh, mm -hmm. are you really yeah. a feminist or really are you a really a woman? Yep. Remember with Kanye, like Kanye, mm -hmm. is he really a black girl? So right. again, tribalism and collectivism and identity politics dehumanize, therefore they are wrong and that's not the way to go through life. So right. let me say one last thing because you couldn't contain yourself just now and I was almost finished. History is full of ironies when it comes to philosophy. And the biggest tragedy is that individualism in philosophy, even implicit individualism, was abandoned as political equality was coming about. I think the best moment, maybe, of the blending of political equality meets uh, enlightenment individualism were, was the era of, of Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass, maybe Booker T. Washington, people like that, who they saw the glory of the individual and they also fought for you know, the abolition of slavery and moving things towards political equality. But after that, it just gets worse and worse and worse. The intellectuals became increasingly collectivist, socialist, subjectivist, that is opposed to the even recognizing that objective reality exists or can be understood. And uh, along with those intellectuals includes black intellectuals who spoke in the name of helping their community and only, only to the detriment of blacks and everyone else did they promote collectivism and um, and the lack of individualism, the feminists as well, and obviously gay rights and trans rights, let alone. I mean, just the, the farther along history we get, the more we see 
um, individualism farther and farther in the rear view mirror. So to the point where it becomes almost inseparable, we can almost, we can hardly separate political equality from socialism and collectivism, which obviously is a, is a, um, is a contradiction and an oxymoron. So we need to get back to the fundamentals of philosophy and to fight for individualism. Thank you for letting me go over time and I'll let you close it off if you'd like. No, that, that, that closing was so good. And as you say always, we're always for individuals having more, having the right to lead the life as they want. That's why we are for individual rights for men, women, gay people, LGBT people, for, 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 for everyone. So many thanks for me and from Raqqa and see you soon. Bye, everyone.